13, if you will. Matthew chapter 13. Pastor Kaylee, would you mind? I think I left my water at the sound booth. You wouldn't mind grabbing that for me. Matthew chapter 13. talk on a subject that I wouldn't say is talked about a whole lot, reflected on a whole lot, and uh, maybe even misunderstood even though the subject itself uh, is, you know, breeds understanding if we get the concept of it. But I want to talk about the wisdom of God, the wisdom of God. I want to talk about what it means to have the wisdom of God. In Matthew chapter 13, uh, Jesus opens this chapter with a parable. You might be familiar with it. It's called the parable of the sower. And Jesus tells this parable to a multitude of people, a whole bunch of people. And after he's done telling the parable, here in verse 10, his disciples come to him those who have left everything and made the decision to come and follow him. And they said, the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Why do you speak to them in parables? Anybody ever ask that question? Why did Jesus tell parables? Why, why, I mean, you know, why did he tell stories? Why was he trying to be relatable? Why was he, you know, breaking this thing down? I mean, he's talking about scripture. He's revealing the kingdom of God. Of the 40 parables that he told in the Gospels, 19 of them had a direct reference to the kingdom of God. Meaning that he would make a statement such as the kingdom of God is like this or the kingdom of heaven is like that. So Jesus is revealing the kingdom and the nature of the kingdom uh, and the quality of the kingdom in these parables. But his disciples ask, why do you speak to them in parables? Because, see, the thing about a parable is a a parable is a relatable story that is an analogy. And so what that does is there's a hidden meaning within it. Like there's something that I want you to understand if you're able to understand, right? Uh, You know, the reason why we struggle with some of these parables is because they don't relate to us. When he's talking about, uh, you know, the kingdom of God is like a dragnet. I mean, I don't know what a dragnet is, you know, off the top. You know, I have to figure that out. You know, the kingdom of God is like a lost coin. I mean, I've got a lot of lost coins. Maybe if you say like a lost bank or lost gold or, you know, lost $100 bill, that might make more sense to me than a lost coin. But, you know, we've got to understand that these are relational uh, based upon the demographics and the geographics and, and the historical depth behind it. And so they asked the question, why do you speak to them in parables? And verse 11, he answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. (laughs) The reason why I'm talking to them in parables is because they've got to look for something, right? A mystery is hidden. Mystery means there is something hidden here. Now, if you've been with us for any amount of time, you've heard me make this statement before. God doesn't hide things to keep them from you. 
He hides them to determine your value for it. Right? Because how, how willing are you to search it out? How willing are you to fight to understand it? How willing are you to discover and get down deep in this thing so you can really know what's underneath the surface? Jesus did not just leave his messages and his principles and, and, and his, his gospel on surface level where anyone could just pick it up. Jesus was putting his message down in a place hidden to determine who really wants this and who doesn't. Who really values this and who doesn't. And so he says right here, the whole reason I'm speaking to them in parables is because I'm trying to differentiate. I'm trying to discover. I'm trying to find out who really wants what I have to to minister, what I have to teach, and who doesn't. Who's just going to be like, oh, that's a good story, and walk away? And who is going to turn around and say, now, what do you mean by that? Does that make sense? He's identified right here, there is an us, and there's a them. He's just drawn a line in the sand, and he says, just because as soon as I told this parable, it identified there's an us, and there's a them. If you're just sitting on the side of the mountain, and you hear a parable, it's like, wow, that's cool. All right, what's next? You're them. But if you're sitting on the side of the mountain and you hear, wow, what does he mean by that? Where is he going with this? What do you mean? If there's more discovery, if there's deeper knowledge being sought out here. And so he's dividing a line, basically, by telling these parables. He says, the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. For whoever has... To him, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Verse 13, therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, watch this, nor do they understand. Now, that seems like a really Weird statement. In fact, you might even hear me pray, uh, you know, sometimes I think I probably even just prayed it right before now. Father, I pray that we will have ears to hear. Well, what else would your ears be doing? I mean, really. I hope that you have ears to hear tonight and eyes to see. But what he's trying to help them see here is that just because you hear doesn't mean you get it. Just because you see doesn't mean you get it. And so what I want us to see tonight is that there is a getting it. There is a grabbing a hold of the word that has to take place in the life of a believer. And this is where wisdom comes into place. Look at verse 16. Skip on down to verse 16. He says, blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Anybody in this room got eyes to see? Do we have ears to hear? Okay. Some of you might be thinking, yeah, of course, I'm right here. I mean, I'm hearing what you're saying. I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down, right? He wants them to have eyes to see, ears to hear. Verse 17, for assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. 
He's saying that this has been presented before. And people missed it. This was right in front of people before. And they missed the chance to grab a hold of what's in front of you. And so here's what he does. This is uh, one of the few times that he actually explains a parable. And so in verse 18, he now goes on to explain the parable that he told at the beginning of Matthew 13. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and underlined it and does not understand it, does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. I'm going to tell you right now, and this might sound like a bold statement, and uh, you know, just hang out to the end. Don't get up and leave yet. The devil does not care if you hear the word. He does not care. He doesn't care that you're sitting right here hearing the word tonight. But in the next passages, we are going to see that he's going to do everything he can to confuse the word that you've heard. We go into the next verse. Verse 20, he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. That sounds pretty good. I mean, I heard the word, and then, uh, uh, and then when I left, I was excited about it. I mean, that sounds like a pretty good response, right, to the word. I heard the word ministered, and I was excited. It made me happy. Anybody been there? You heard the word in service, and you're like, man, that was a good word. Pastor Priest, I'm just, you know, uh, I'm speaking by faith here that you're walking out and saying, man, Pastor Mark brought a good word today. That was awesome. Excited about it. Received it with joy. But that wasn't good enough. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. So he hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. He receives persecution because of the word and immediately stumbles. Ineffective. Verse 22. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word, and he becomes unfruitful. So now we've got someone that's heard the word, but now he's got gone out into the world, and he's become distracted. The cares of the world or deceitfulness of riches have now choked out the very word that he just heard. Notice that all three of these so far Heard the word, right? Heard the word, all three of them. But look at the last one here in verse 23. He who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and, underline it, understands it. Understands it. He who hears the word and understands it. That's key. Who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold some 60, and some 30. When the seed goes out, it's meant so that you can produce a crop. That is what the seed is designed to do. The seed, uh, a farmer never throws seed out and just says, well, let's just see what happens. He's not throwing away seed. He's investing 
seed, which means he expects it to go in and then produce something as a result of going in and being invested in something. And so as the word is being spoken or the word is being ministered, it's being sown. It wasn't up to the sower, and it wasn't up to the seed whether or not it produced. It was up to the ground and how well it received the word that determined the production. So hearing the word, I mean, even James tells us that we can be hearers and still not be doers, right? James 1 verse 22, don't be hearers of the word only, but become doers. So you don't become deceived. Hearing the word uh, doesn't get you anywhere. It's the start. But it's what we do after we hear the word that determines what the word does in us. What are we doing with the word afterwards? And that's where the devil shows up. That's where the devil shows up. That's where the enemy shows up. And he's going to try to trick and persuade and deceive and con you out of the word that you just heard so that it can that it can become unfruitful in your life. So where you hear is just as important as what you hear. Where you hear is just as important as what you hear. Where you hear is just as important as what you hear. The title of my message tonight is Hear With Your Heart. Hear where you heart and with your heart. This is where a, a lot of believers get tripped up is because we believe that we came to church and we heard a good word and that is all the work that needs to take place. But it's really what we do when we get past that door in the car on the way home, uh, at the job the next day, at the home in our marriage and with our kids, and and when we're dealing with the checkbook, and and when we're trying to discover what is God's will for my life, that is where the word becomes fruitful. It wasn't in here. The word is sown here, but it takes root out there. And that part is up to the hearer. I can't help that part. I, I, I can't, I don't have any obligation in your life uh, past ministering the word and making the truth available to you. My pastor calls it a pocket pastor. He would always tell us, I'm not a pocket pastor. That means you can just, I'm really struggling, so let me just get Pastor Mark on the phone and just, you know, I, I just really need help with this. Hey, I'm here to help you, but when it comes down to it, it's up to you to apply the word and to grab a hold of the word and to put the word into practice in your life. That's what determines the fruitfulness in your life. At some point, we have to pick up the word for ourselves so that we can advance and grow. Hosea chapter 4, Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, I'll just read it real quick. It says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And I'll read the rest of the verse here in a minute, but I just want to make this point real quick. We just saw the difference between the first three pieces of ground that received the seed, and the last one was understanding. 
pull that, pull that back up again, Jimmy. Matthew chapter 13. Uh, we're going to look at verse, I believe it's 23. Matthew 13, verse 23. He who receives seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. Who hears the word and understands it. He's the one that indeed bears fruit and produces. Knowledge is the key to victory. He said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed because they don't know something. Or you could term it this way, ignorance. Ignorance is the lack of knowledge. It's what you don't know that will kill you. It says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, going back to Hosea 4, 6, because you have rejected knowledge. I also will reject you from being priests for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. Now, the responses from God seem pretty heavy for rejecting knowledge of something. But when he says knowledge here, this is not referring to knowledge about God. This is referring to knowing God. This word knowledge is the same word to know that Uh, is used in the Old Testament when a husband would know his wife. Intimately. Information breeds intimacy. You're not close because you got skin to skin. You're close because you learn something about each other. You're close because you talk to each other, because you share information. That's what brings intimacy. There's plenty of people that are sharing the same bed tonight, but they're no closer than the man on the moon. But it's because you get to know, not just about somebody, but you get to know. You know what the, the question is, do we know God or do we just know about God? And so let's read it again with that context. Because you have reject, rejected knowledge, knowing me personally, I also will reject you. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. Now it carries a little more weight. Now we understand why knowing something is so important. Because knowing God's word will develop knowing God for ourselves. Because God and his word are one. God and his word are inseparable. So we see that there is a, there, there's a key for knowledge here. There's a need for some understanding of the word, not just hearing the word, not just playing church and going to church and, and, and hearing the, the word preached every now and but actually understanding and grasping the word and then applying it in our lives. This is what's necessary. Ephesians chapter 1. Paul spoke quite a bit about understanding and knowledge and wisdom. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, this was his prayer. This wasn't just, hey, I would like you to know this. He says, this is what I'm praying for the church at Ephesus. This is what he says. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And this is what he prays, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation 
in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? I think a lot of believers wish we could just skip past all the revelation and the wisdom and the, and the knowledge and the understanding and just get to and know the hope of his calling. But you see, you don't discover the hope of his calling until you discover him. We cannot be more interested in God's will for our life than knowing God. We've, we've, we've got to get deeper than that. We've got to develop an understanding. We've got to develop a wisdom. Now, I want to tell you this, and, and we'll, we'll get here a little deeper, but wisdom has nothing to do with being smart. And this is what, I'm, uh, this is what I want to get across, because sometimes, uh, you, know, uh, you know, maybe depending on your background or how you grew up or, uh, uh, you know, whatever factors come into play, you can write off things such as wisdom or revelation or knowledge or understanding. But this word is not naturally discerned. This word is not naturally discerned. And the more you get to know this, the more you get to know God himself. And that is what is important. God always equates his wisdom with a relationship. God always equates his wisdom with a relationship. Look at Colossians chapter 1. We'll see one more reference here. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. That's First Thessalonians. Let's try Colossians 1 verse 9. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. What are we praying? And that we ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And as a result of wisdom and knowledge and spiritual understanding, verse 10, you will walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work. Do we notice how fruitfulness follows understanding? The more understanding I have, the more fruitful I can become, right? Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That means getting to know him more and more. We're not talking about information. We're talking about relationship. I'm not just talking about things. I'm talking about a person. Over in Proverbs, over in Proverbs chapter 9, it says this, verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. See, what I, what I wanted to get out of is just wanting to know Scripture. I just, I just wish I could understand the Bible more. I just wish I could understand, uh, you know, these Scriptures. I mean, does anybody fall into the category, I'm raising my hand here, where you read the Bible and maybe you just don't understand something. Maybe it's just, it's over my head, I'm not quite grabbing it. And God wants us to get past just knowing information. I had someone uh, a, a couple of days ago uh, come to me. And they said, hey, I, I had this uh, girl, and, and she came up to me. Um, this was the other individual speaking. And, and she came up to me, and she said, I, I really want to be discipled. Do you think you can help disciple me? 
And I was like, wow, that's awesome, cool. So did you do it? She's like, yeah, but, you know, the, the first time we sat down together, she was just asking all these, you know, weird questions like, you know, just weird historical questions and stuff. I said, that's not discipleship. That's just information. She needs to get to know God, not just information about God. See, there are theologians and there are studiers and there are historians that read this book, and all this is is just another history book. And I like history. But that's not a history book history book to me. That's God in word form revealing himself to me. So my number one goal when reading this is, God, I want to know you. Reveal yourself to me. Don't just reveal stuff about you. Reveal you. Don't just reveal information. Reveal relationship to me. Make yourself real to me through the scripture. And that changes the whole ballgame. That changes everything. Now, here's how I like to define wisdom. Wisdom is the practice of principle. Wisdom is the practice of principle. Wisdom is not just the principle itself. You're not wise because you know something. Watch this. You're not wise because you know something. You're wise because you do something. You're not wise because you know something. You're wise because you do something. In fact, you're even more of a fool if you know it and still don't do it. I mean, I don't know anyone in here that would call that person a wise individual. Man, they knew not to do it. I mean, they're smart. They're a smart cookie. You're not very smart if you know what to do and don't do it or know what not to do and still do it. No, wisdom is the practice of principle. It's not just the gaining of knowledge. It's not just to puff up your head and just say, look at all the stuff I know. Look at all the Bible verses I memorized. Great, how many of them do you do? How many of them are you living by? That's what's important. That's what God is really looking at. A wise person is one that does, not just knows. And so that's why this is more... This word is more about heart knowledge than it is head knowledge. Wisdom is heart knowledge. That's why it's not just what we hear that's important, but it's where we hear it. Is when we hear the word, is it just going into our heads? Or is it making it down into our hearts? Because only one of the two is productive, and only one of the two is effective and fruitful for the kingdom of God. Because, you know, I, I used to read that word, read that word, read that verse and get discouraged myself. It's he who hears the word and understands it. Well, I can tell you all kinds of times where I sit down and read the word and don't understand it. And so I recognize that the understanding is in my application. And sometimes we want to know more of the word than we're willing to obey. Sometimes we're praying, God, show me more. God, give me revelation. God, increase my knowledge. And he's saying, the stuff that you already know you're not doing. 
why would I give you more? Amen. Y'all getting something tonight? Knowing God's word should move you to do God's word. Knowing God's word should move you to do God's word. God is looking for doers of his word. God is looking for doers. You realize wisdom keeps us from failure. Wisdom keeps us from failure. Wisdom causes you to see the word, hear the word, know the word. See, why did he say, why did he say, do you have ears to hear and do you have eyes to see? What he was saying was, do you have the wherewithal within you to now go and apply that which you've just heard? Do you have the ability inside of you to go and do that which you've just seen? And so he turns to his disciples who have just left their families, left their homes, left their jobs, sacrificed everything to go and follow Jesus. And he says, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Why? Because you've given it up. You've sacrificed. You have proven that you will obey that which you hear. You heard two words, follow me. And you came. You obeyed. Laid down everything. So to you it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. To them, it has not. To them, it has not. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2 kind of speaks in the same context that Ephesians and Colossians did that we just read. It says, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. The Holy Spirit is given to us to help us understand the word. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You realize God wants you to know, grasp, comprehend everything that's in here. Because the more you know and understand, the more you can do. So the Holy Spirit is given there. To help illuminate the word to you. Now what does that mean? That means when you're in a situation and you need the word on point, and you need the word on that time, the Holy Spirit will bring it to your remembrance just like Jesus said. He said the Holy Spirit will teach you. The Holy Spirit will guide you. The Holy Spirit will show you things to come. What's the Holy Spirit doing? He is taking that word and he's illuminating it within you and showing you how to now live it out. Because it's not wisdom until you do it. God has always wanted to get his people from information to revelation. Information won't save anybody. Just because you know that Jesus died on the cross and was raised again. No, it's not until you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. And then you live as if Jesus is Lord. That's when we see that word illuminated within us. That's when we've walked into wisdom. That's when we've walked into true understanding. That's when we've walked into the, the, the place where the Holy Spirit can now bring that word back to our remembrance. And then we live it and apply it and we do it. We need the wisdom of God. Amen. You've got to realize that the Holy Spirit... And his word are inseparable. You know, I, 
you know, used to get a kick out of these people that say, you know, I, just, I got a re- revelation by the Spirit. And it, it's something that's not even in the Word. The Holy Spirit will not reveal to you anything that's not already in the Word of God. See, God wants you to know His ways. He wants you to know how to do something. He wants to know what you will do with something more than just the things that we're concerned about. We're concerned about, should I take this job or this job? And he's concerned about, are you going to operate as an an appropriate employee on the job? Because it doesn't really matter which job you take if you're just going to act like a hellion everywhere you go. Right? Should I marry this person or this person? Well, it doesn't really matter if you're going to be a horrible spouse. Right? God wants us to know his ways before he, we discover his will. And wisdom shows us his ways. Wisdom shows us how God wants to accomplish it, not just what. Not just what. Have you ever noticed in the Bible that it, 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 it'll give you very little details sometimes, but yet the details are in there. I mean, we look at creation. I mean, it's very, there's not a whole lot of detail. He spoke and it was formed. And we don't have, you know, exactly how long it took and exactly, you know, uh, how, how, how much he created at one time and, and, you know, all the different questions that we have today. Because that's not what he wants us to be focused on. He wants us to understand that when he speaks a thing, it takes place. It happens. That's the very thing he's wanting us to grasp and get a hold of. See, sometimes, you know, I, I, I've seen people get off with even the parables of Jesus and make them out to be something that they're really not or he's trying to prove this. There's always a primary thing that Jesus is covering. And anything, any other secondary uh, uh, concept that you could get out of those parables has to line up with the rest of Scripture. You can't take it out of context and take it out of the Bible when it doesn't line up with the rest of it. See, Jesus knows what he's doing. Even when he was telling parables, even when he was telling his stories, he knew what he was doing. He knew, I've got to get a message across to these people, but if I leave it right here, they won't, they won't value it. Right? He said, you don't cast your pearls before swine. You don't place something valuable among people or in a group of people that's not going to value what you're giving. So he hides it. Why? Because I want to know who is going to value the search. Do we have ears to hear? Do we have eyes to see? To comprehend? To understand? Not understand as in, oh yeah, I get it. No. Understand as in, oh yeah, I do it. I apply it. I live it. God's looking for wise people. Wise people. That doesn't mean that you can hold a debate with somebody. That means that when you leave the debate, you can go out and live it and do it. Our testimony in the kingdom is far more what we do than what we say. And I don't really care to know how much information you have. I want to know your character. I want to know your lifestyle. I want to know what part of it are you applying and seeing the fruit of. Amen. Father, I thank you tonight that we desire the wisdom of God. 
We desire knowledge and understanding. Your, your servant Paul prayed that we would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. But Father, I thank you that we long to do your word and not just know the word. That we long to apply the word, not just hear the word. Father, may we be people that hear the word, but it instantly moves us to do it. That's the wise person. That's the wise man. Father, I thank you that we are a people that value the word that's in front of us. That we have ears to hear, and we have eyes to see, to perceive, to comprehend and understand that which you've declared in your word. Father, we commit ourselves to be doers of the word, to live it, apply it, put it into practice so that we can be fruitful and productive for the kingdom of God. We thank you for this tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.